Hey everyone, Mel here again with another episode of the Weekly Watch and it's a big one today. I mean, not, not big as in long, well, it might be long, you never know. I am a rambler. I'm already rambling right now. I am going to be talking about Wonder Woman. So, no, nothing, I mean, I'm going to be talking about three films, but you don't really care about any of the others, do you? You want to know what I think about Wonder Woman. Um, just for the overview, I will also be talking about Baywatch and a little film that screened at last year's con, actually. I don't know why we only just got it now. It's a Japanese film called After the Storm. I had to review that. Um, so I will be talking about that later on as well. But let's dive straight into Wonder Woman. Now, right from the get-go, I'm going to have to tell you that I'm not a huge DC fan. Boo me, boo. Do you like Marvel? Yeah, I kind of like Marvel, you know, most of the superhero films that I like are Marvel films, but I don't consider myself a Marvel fanboy or girl or whatever. Um, even though Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite superhero film of all time. But yeah, I've, I've, I, I like superhero films to an extent, even though I think, you know, there's, there's a bit of an oversaturation happening at the moment. Uh, which is also why I'm no longer really enjoying the X-Men films. I think we've just had too too much, too many of them in too short a time. But I was excited for Wonder Woman, most notably because I am hoping that sooner or later DC will actually bring out um, a really good film. You know, we, uh, last year's Batman vs Superman, with, I, I, I think I coined it, from my perspective, the worst film I'd seen all year in 2016. Batman v Superman was so shy, the only thing I really liked about it was Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, but she couldn't save that film, unfortunately. And obviously we all know that this one, Wonder Woman, is, is a huge thing being released. because Not just because this is the very first ever female superhero film. We have not had a female superhero film yet. The female superheroes we've seen so far have always been sidekicks or side characters. They have never been the lead. So this is a new one. This is a first. And DC is doing it before Captain Marvel comes out. So DC, you're the first man on the moon, so to speak. Uh, let's hope it was done really well. And also why it's such a big thing is it's the first superhero film being directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins. And that's also the first film, like this is the highest budgeted film ever to be directed by a woman. Um, so there's a lot of firsts in regards to this film, um, especially, um, I guess, for women. And maybe you, if, if you're a guy and you're listening to this, uh, maybe you're tired of all this woman shit. But it's, these are obviously milestones that are really important to us. And if you're part of the industry, which I am to an extent, these things are really fucking important. And I know to a lot of people it's like come on just get over it you know you're you're making strides in the right direction it's true but it's more like a drop of water on a really hot stone it feels like well is it gonna stick or is it just gonna fucking evaporate as if nothing ever happened and I'm happy to tell you this has immediately gone on my top 10 list of uh, films for this year it is right next to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, my highest ranking top film so far of 2017. That is how much I enjoyed this film. Now it's not perfect, there's a lot wrong with it, obviously, you know me that I always complain about shit. I'm German after all, we complain about things. But it's really well done. It's so much fun from start to finish. Um, it It's funny, it's dramatic, it's tragic and camp and there are great action sequences in there it is just 
an absolute joy to watch and um, it's it's interesting to see uh, that I'm not sure whether that was I, I assume that was consciously done by Penny Jenkins the writers um, they clearly went into this realizing that this is the first female superhero film we ever see so there are a lot of um, tr let's call them tropes I, th I think I'm I'm not sure if that's the right word for it but you know certain things that usually happen in like an action film in a superhero film where it's the man who's the lead and the woman who's like the sidekick or the love interest it totally turns this 180 degrees in Wonder Woman it's literally as if you're watching your standard male-led superhero film but funny enough the lead is a, is a girl a woman and I found it so refreshing how how aware it was, like the film, um, of what it is and what it means, not just to the audience, but just to the industry at large. It was, there's just so much, you know, attached to this film. It's, it's kind of like, it, it almost sounds like too much, so much atta is attached to it that it can only sink, right? But first reviews and previews, uh, the critics and people that have seen it who aren't critics, everyone was raving about it and everyone was saying this is really good, this is the, f the, the best DC superhero film that's ever been done and it's, it's one of the best films we've seen all year. This is like, yeah, summer has arrived, this is the first big summer blockbuster, well obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, but you know what I mean. And they're right, you know, I went in there, I had kind of high expectations, even though I was kind of trying to tell myself to have low expectations, because we have recently been burned by DC, you know, DC has not really brought out great films. Even the hype ones like Suicide Squad were a bit of a dud. And I sort of enjoyed Suicide Squad, but yeah, I, I was disappointed. Not so in Wonder Woman. This thing really is a wonder. It is a really good script, really good story, good plot. There are good plot points, plot twists. The characters are interesting. The, the actors are, are doing their characters justice. And while I've heard a lot that, you know, Gal Gadot obviously is not an Oscar winning actress, but she does do a really marvelous job as Diana Prince. I, I was really worried that I, I heard a lot about that famous third act and how everything kind of falls down there and I was like oh god this is where and as soon as it starts you, you can tell where it starts when you're watching the film it's like oh my god now here we go oh my god this is where the film either sinks or swims and I I thought it was really well done I really enjoyed it, it it's a bit over the top it's a bit camp and whatever but you know it is a superhero film it can be camp you know it, while it, it is a serious topic that is part of the film because it takes place during World War One, and it's about saving the world and all of that stuff but it also to an extent doesn't take itself too seriously and it's, it's very aware of what's going on and what it means in the bigger picture and stuff and I thought that was done so wonderfully so subtly and nuanced that I mean Petty Jenkins just give her give her like all the films to do she is absolutely fantastic as a director and um let me just tell you just in case you don't know what it's about of course you know who wonder woman is but it's not like you know superman batman everyone knows what, what what's going on and i'm not a comic geek so i'm not sure whether what we see in the film is actually based on the comics um truthfully or whatever i have no idea um the film I, one of the things I really liked about the film, before I get into the, the main plot, is if, if you've seen Batman v Superman, uh, obviously Wonder Woman was in there, and she was after this 
picture, this old photo from World War One that depicts her and some other people, right? And um, Bruce Wayne finds it and goes like, wait a minute, that's you. But like, we're in the here and now and how come you haven't aged? And it, it's that image, that photo that builds the framework for the narrative of the film Wonder Woman. Um, so we see Diana Prince in the here and now and she's been sent um, this image, this photo by Bruce Wayne. Basically, uh, oh, he sends her a little message. I can't remember what he says, but he's like, I can't wait to find out more about you. Here's a little present or something. And she looks at the image. Why am I calling it an image? She looks at the photo and it triggers a memory flashback, which is what the film is. And I really love that because at the end of the film, you go back to her looking at a photograph and then her being in the here and now. And um, as far as we were told, the sequel to Wonder Woman will actually take place in the here and now. So uh, that will be interesting to see. So that's the framework of the film. And then when we go back, she, she basically has a flashback to when she was a little kid. She grew up on uh, an island called Temescara. How do you pronounce it? Temescara, um, the island of the Amazons, um, Paradise Island, you know, that it has a few different names. Um, and she is the daughter of the Queen of the Amazons, who is played by Connie Nielsen. And um, she grows up there, really sheltered. There's always, you know, always perfect weather there because for whatever reason, that island has been, has been sheltered by the gods or something. We find out this whole backstory about how the Amazons ended up on the island. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but something that Zeus did made the island invisible to the outside world and there's always beautiful weather on the island and it's only women living on the island and apparently they know an age so they've been there for hundreds thousands whatever of years we don't exactly know how long they have been there um, because they bring up mythical references of the gods like the great gods like Zeus and Ares and it's like wow how, how long have you guys actually been there um, one of the things that uh, we find out is that she's the only child on the island, which obviously is a bit weird. Um, and one of the things that I also thought was, was, was weird is like you have Amazons at different stages of their lives. You have really young women who look like they're barely 20. Then you have people who clearly are in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, but if they don't age, why are they clearly in their 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s? Wouldn't they all kind of look like the same age range or something? That's never explained. Um, do, you, do you somehow get Amazon status given by the gods at a certain point in your life maybe? And certain people got it earlier and certain people got it later. I don't know why some of them look older and some of them look younger given they don't age. It's weird. Um, Maybe they do age until they're 50 and then they just stay like that. I have no idea because you have obviously Connie Nielsen plays the queen. She's a bit older. You have Robin Wright who plays her sister, the queen's sister. And she's like the fiercest warrior on the entire island who ends up training Diana, even though the queen doesn't really want her daughter to be trained. Um, we find out later why and I don't really want to give that away. Um, and she, like I said, she's the only kid there. and. Uh, it, she grows up like a like a normal child apparently so she matures she becomes a teenager and then she is you know a young woman she's Gal Gadot then and she's training with her aunt and 
and then stuff happens you know she she's been she's being introduced to their making and their mythology by her mother so we find out um the backstory sort of in in a bit of a bedtime story when diana is a bit younger it's all really informative and there's a lot of stuff happening there and the entire island is absolutely beautiful and you you basically want to live there especially as a woman i think you really want to fucking live there it looks like paradise island that's why they call it i guess not that it's i'm I think it might have been called that once in a film, or that mo was from a comic book, I'm not entirely sure. Um, usually it's called, I'm, she always says it's like, I'm Diana from Samuskira. And um, as you probably know from the trailer, sooner or later, you know, Chris Pine shows up in a plane and he crashes into the sea and she goes and saves him. And he's the first uh, man that she's ever seen. And he goes like, what do you mean you've never seen a man before? What do you mean you're not aware that World War One is raging out there? Where the hell am I? And then she she always keeps telling him, it's like, you're on Temescura. And he's like, that means nothing to me. It's like, where am I? You're on Temescura. I know I'm on Temescura, but that means nothing to me. Where the hell am I? And that's one of the things that the script does really well. And the entire film, really. There's a lot of humor in this, even though, of course, there's there's a lot of drama going on with like the world war raging and stuff like that. And um, he was clearly fleeing from someone, which is why he crashed in in the sea. So the Germans are on his tail and are basically invading the island. And the Amazons immediately, you know, jump onto their horses and get their bows and arrows and swords and shields out and go into defense mode. And uh, well, defense, you know, the best defense is an offense. So they attack the shit out of these people, but they're all armed with rifles and stuff. So it's, it's a bit of an uneven fight, even though the Amazons managed to win. But it's just really interesting to see how while there's all this, like I say, all this tragic stuff and all this drama going on and also, by the way, awesome action, all the action, there's a lot of slow-mo being used and while to a certain extent I thought it was a bit grating on me, it's like, oh, here we go again, another slow-mo, but it made it look really cool. Like, Petty Jenkins really knows how to make action look cool and how to emphasize certain aspects of the action and to definitely draw your eye, draw your attention to certain things that she definitely wants you to see. I really thought that worked really, really well. Especially later on when you see Wonder Woman fight. That is fucking fantastic. Um, but back to Chris Pine and, 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 and Diana having this, um, Gal Gadot having this conversation. Um, there's a lot of... Um, humor in, in the script and in the dialogue between these two characters because they come from different worlds and they have different backgrounds and and fundamental basis of understanding and, and perspectives and approaches to, to life and the world. And so when they have a conversation you can just tell that they're they're talking to each other but they're talking over each other's head. They're not understanding each other properly. And because of that some of the dialogue is is absolutely hilarious. Some of the stuff that comes up, especially when you think about Chris Pine, obviously is from sort of our world, even though it's World War One. Yeah, it's, it's like a hundred years ago. Um, but then you have Diana, who, in his eyes, pretty much compared to him, almost sounds very naive. The way that she looks at the world, the way that she doesn't know anything about the outside world and how she approaches things, and. You can tell that he almost thinks that she can't take care of herself. And then when she realizes, oh my God, I'm surrounded by warrior women. It's just absolutely fantastic. 
and um, obviously she leaves the island sooner or later and she comes into the modern world and she's encountering this for the very first time and the way that that is depicted and that Gal Gadot brings that across um, I think it's more down to the dialogue actually than, than Gal Gadot's performance but she does it well it is just so fascinating to see I was like I don't understand this society and why would you do this and why are you doing that and there's just a lot of it where it's, it's just such a it's 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 more than just a wink in the right direction going like ah you see what we did there ah, you see what we're pointing out here and there and there and this is all stupid and yet this is how some of some of it still exists to this day like um she she comes up they, they go to london because she feels that she that this world war one has been created by Ares because Ares is always he's a god of war and he always is responsible for any war that's happening so clearly he must be responsible for this one so she's Wonder Woman and she has the well she takes the sword when she leaves she takes the, the god killer I think it's called and she's like it's my mission to kill Ares and bring peace to the world because that's what we Amazons do um, my mom doesn't want to do this and the other Amazons you know no one can really be asked to leave the island she's the only one that's willing to leave the island um, so it's kind of her mission um, and then she rocks up in London with uh, Chris Pine who is he, he, he says that he's a spy for the British you know he was spying on the Germans and that's how he got into this trouble and that's why his plane crashed on Samuskira and that's how everything starts so aren't we glad that he crashed right otherwise there wouldn't have been much of a film um, so they go to London and all she wants to do is like go to the front and, and get to Aries. And he was like, well, I have to like go and talk to my superiors first. And then she she wears her Wonder Woman outfit underneath that coat that you might have seen in the trailer. And every time she wants to take it off, people go like, oh my God, no, um, you can't wear this in public because obviously she hardly wears anything. And this is like basically Victorian London. Um, and it's like, no, you can't walk around like this. People would no, no, we can't have that. So they go shopping, which is hilarious. Um, and then once they found some proper clothing for her, they go to his superiors and they have some kind of like a strategy meeting. And there's like, I don't know, 20, 30 men in, in some room talking together and trying to figure out what to do. And Chris Pine rocks up with Gal Gadot. And everyone's like, oh, there's a woman here. Oh my God, why, there, why is there a woman here? And she just doesn't get it. She's like, why is it a problem that I, why am I not allowed to be in here? And then they start talking about the war and, and stuff like that. And um, I think one of them is like a general or whatever. And, and he's basically saying, it's like, well, people die in war, you know, it's like casualties happen. And she's like, I can't believe that you're saying that. It's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Where I come from, generals ride into battle with their soldiers. They don't sit behind desks like cowards, you know. And it's just so awesome the way that she does it. She, and she basically says what what we're all thinking. And that's one of the things that I really loved about the film because this isn't the only time that this happens. It's like she, she comes in and she's like, why would you wear this? This is like really impractical stuff to wear. Why do women wear this? And the, the other one was like, oh, well, mm, they kind of make us do it. Mm -hmm. And other bits are in there where she's like, well, and we're, we're at least trying to get our... Someone mentions that, that the women are trying to get the right to vote. Um, I like that that's in the film because obviously back then in the First World War, women didn't have the right to vote among a lot of other things, right? Um, so I like it how the film brings up 
these things and it's, it's this whole you can say that the entire film is kind of about girl power and stuff like that but it's more along the lines of like why do we not have equality it's like it's such a no-brainer and Wonder Woman Diana she is basically the the voice for all of that it's like none of this makes sense you're not any better than I I'm not any weaker than you and she she's clearly making the point you know it's she doesn't even have to say it she speaks more through her actions than words and a lot of the stuff that even today we still take for granted this inequality that we still have it's just so blatantly stupid and the film clearly shows that so I'm not sure whether the men around me in the cinema enjoyed the film as much um, I think this is clearly well I, I wouldn't say it's clearly geared towards women um, I wouldn't say that they're the target audience um, because I don't want to exclude men in this because this is an action film just like Guardians of the Galaxy is a great action film. You know, it's not just for men or women. It's for everyone who wants a great story, great characters, great action, special effects. It's really awesome. It's a lot of fun. But there are definitely little nudges like this. And it's not just one or two. They are strewn throughout the entire film. Happened several times. And to me, that added a, an entirely different layer of entertainment to the film. Like there's um, while there's still on Themyscira, for example, uh, Chris Pine is taking a bath in in some weird glowing water, and he gets out and Gal Gadot walks in and he doesn't jump back into the water. He's just standing there, just like holding his dick so that she can't see. And um, there's uh, and she asks him what is that and he goes well it's a, and he points to his penis and go he was basically gonna say like well that's a penis it's, I have a man I have a penis but she was pointing at his watch and just in the last second does he realize that she's not pointing at his dick but at his watch so there's just funny things in there and the, the entire gaze of the film has been changed you know how usually when it's like a male superhero or a male hero it doesn't matter whether it's a superhero film or just an action film but if there's a male hero you usually have like the love interest um, who is female because we haven't so far really had a homosexual male hero um, is scantily clad or potentially naked or it's insinuated she's naked um, and here it's Chris Pine who is ogled by the camera who is naked and who kind of like dashes for his well he doesn't really properly dash but um, he goes for his clothes and goes like uh, <clears throat> this was a bit awkward um, and she even asked him is like are you like are you like a um, a good uh, how, how does she say something like are you a good depiction of what a man looks like and he's like I'm above average you know this typical thing is like I'm better than above you know I'm above average you know where I come from I'm like I'm like the shit, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a spy, you know, I gotta be like, good at things, you know, like, with the ladies and stuff. <laughs> and it's really funny the way that it comes across. They're clearly having a lot of fun with that. They are having a lot of fun with the characters, with the setting, with the script. And it does that throughout the entire film. It's just so much fun. And then even when we go to Victorian London, when sort of the tables are turned just because of society having these rules that as a woman you are less than and, and all of that jazz, while you're having Wonder Woman there who is anything but less than, right? And it's, it's just, 
it really points it it's like highlighting these these ridiculous rules that make absolutely no sense um, and after it all she basically comes up with the idea or he comes up with the idea that his superiors are not going for his plan of destroying um, I wanted to say a Nazi stronghold but it's World War One there are no Nazis they're just Germans um, they, they invented some kind of like a, um, a gas that would melt through people's gas masks so basically rendering gas masks um, useless on the field so it, it, it would kill everyone there friend foe doesn't matter right um, and he's come across that and he's like well we have to stop that because thousands of people are gonna die this is ridiculous um, and she she just wants to go to where the battle is where the war is because she thinks that's where Ares is so together with a bunch of other people that he recruits they go to are they going to Germany? I think they're going to Germany. Um, well, they're going to continental Europe to um, fight in the war. And that's when the film really gets going. Because we haven't really seen Diana in action at that point yet. Not really, not properly, not as Wonder Woman. So they're, they're at the front and I can't remember what the location was. I think the people, they sounded like they were, they were Danish or, or Dutch or something. Um, they were speaking not English, but it also wasn't German, so it sounded a bit Dutch. So I'm, maybe that's where they were. But there, there was basically like um, a front line where you had the Allied forces, and then a few hundred yards on the other side you had the Germans, and in between you have no man's land, and that's what they're fighting over. And no one is giving or going anywhere. You know, no one's giving an inch, no one's getting an inch. Nothing's happening, and. Um, and they're just walking there and he's trying to explain to her how war works and how these are the trenches and, and no one can get any further across but the enemy is also not getting any closer so it's like a stalemate and she's like that's ridiculous and she just takes her coat off and is in full-on Wonder Woman regalia I like that the the costume the 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 shield the sword the bracelets the lasso just full-on Wonder Woman regalia for the very first time in the film that we see that and she I, I think it's in the trailer she she um, she takes the ladder up out of the trenches and walks across no man's land towards the Germans and then all hell breaks loose and people go like what's she doing Diana come back down and she's like it's nothing and she blocks bullets and she blocks machine guns and whatever you know she's a one-man army and people are just staring and going like she she's she's got them all on her okay let's go let's go she's got them all on her we, we can get them we can take them and together of course they take the Germans out and they take the city that they were um, defending and uh, they and uh, enslaving basically and they they are freeing the occupants of the city um, and that's a, there's first of all it's a really great action sequence like I said it's the first time you actually see her in action and it's not just her like um, blocking bullets with her bracelets and, and her shield and stuff it's also her jumping really high being really fast pummeling into people like she uses everything including her fists right and she at the very end she even topples a church tower a bell tower it is absolutely fantastic and at the uh, afterwards the, the last few Germans they scamper off 
and the citizens say thank you and there's a little bit of a party and stuff like that and it's just really absolutely gorgeous the way that is handled and then you have character moments again and I don't want to give too much away even in spoilers later on but it's just a really well done film it is it is funny there's a lot of humor in it there's a lot of action in it the action looks fantastic and believable um, I watched it in a D-Box cinema, in case you don't know what that is, These are, there are seats that are moving around and there's a lot of like bass and trembling and, and shocking and, and, and all of that stuff. So every time there's an explosion, these seats are, um, are vibrating a lot. And I was sitting right behind one of those, so it's almost like you're sitting in them. Um, and it, it was fantastic how that added to it. You could feel every time she smashed into something i mean in in that sequence she takes up an entire german tank and throws it into something you know it is clearly establishing pretty much all of her powers how fast she is how strong she is um, how far she can jump and all of that stuff it is absolutely fantastic you see her decimate them she doesn't really she didn't really need anyone's help you know but together they're even stronger and they're trying to then infiltrate the nearby castle where the Germans are hiding out and where they're trying to find out where the scientist is and the dude who is with the scientist because they're trying to figure out where the gas is and all of that stuff and like I said they're trying to infiltrate it and Diana uh, he uh, Chris Pine basically tells Gal Gadot, no, no, you have to stay behind, you know, this is way too dangerous. And she's obviously not having it because she's fucking Wonder Woman, right? So she goes in there anyways, and then all hell breaks loose. And it's just an absolute pleasure to see this film. It is so much fun. What I love about it is that Perry Jenkins, she, she feels no rush to get to anywhere. And I know that sounds a bit weird. Um, I mean, I think the film is about two hours long, so it's not even that long. But she she lingers in Themyscira. She clearly establishes what the society looks like, what the people are like, what they do day in and day out, um, and their mythology and their background. And then once we hit so-called modern times, even though it's a hundred years ago, we also firmly establish that and the societal rules that happen there and she manages to do that not by lingering much but just by you know how they always say is like you're not supposed to tell the audience you're supposed to show the audience and she really knows what that means because she uses it all the time she shows you what the societal rules are she doesn't tell you about them she fucking shows you she will also talk about it. she will have and the thing is she shows you what's going on and then you have the lead you have wonder woman react to it and it's her reaction that then tells you like this is a bit ridiculous who the fuck came up with that she says it a bit nicer because she doesn't swear but all of that stuff is happening in there and I loved it how aware the film was of that and how well she incorporated it because you know, like sometimes there are films like um, Zootopia or Zootropolis, depending on what region you are in, the different name. Um, how there was this big thing about racism and, and all of that stuff. And it was, it, there was so much of it in the film that I felt like it was hitting me over the head every five minutes with, look how we're dealing with racism and look at the point we're trying to make. And it was too much and it, it kind of 
negated the pleasure of actually enjoying the film a bit. Whereas here in Wonder Woman, they're doing the same thing with like women, women's rights and power and equality and all of that stuff. But they're not hitting you over the head with it. At least I didn't feel like it. Um, maybe, I don't know, I, I really need to talk to a guy who's seen it and see what they think. Um, so far I've only heard reactions from women um, and they have so far all been very very positive but I think that um, the, the film, the, the script is just so well written that while it brings it up every now and then it doesn't hit you over the head with it all the time and it doesn't you know it doesn't hold up the, the, the moral finger it's, it's something we we call it in, in Germany um, so always going like oh yeah here see there's a moral to the story there's a message here all right did you get it all right you got it okay fingers coming down you know that kind of a thing um, the film doesn't do that it's always incorporated in a way that makes it very entertaining because I'm, I'm not sure if in every instance they're kind of making fun of it because of the naive way that um, that Diana is looking at the world. The, this blatant, this obvious uh, non-comprehension of why does this even exist? Why does this thought process even exist like it makes no sense where does this come from and because of that it's, it's just this, this flabbergasted shock and disbelief which makes it kind of hilarious but also really poignant in the same time like yes it's funny but also isn't it a bit of a shame that this is still going on hello um, but I think it was it was wrapped really nicely in the entire story and and the characters and it, it goes really well for like here's here's a bit of an establishing scene here's like a heavy dialogue scene here's action scene and then they do the same thing over and over again so there's never too much action so that you're like oh get over there already even at the end when there's like the final showdown which some people said was a bit over the top and that's where the film kind of loses the plot a bit and goes a bit overboard. I thought it worked really well because even though throughout the film you've seen Diana being very powerful, she hasn't unleashed her full potential and I think even at the end of the film she hasn't truly unleashed her full potential. There's even more, you know, how um, how you can go always further it's like in dragon ball it's like you go super saiyan but then you can go mega super saiyan or whatever um okay that doesn't help anyone who doesn't know what dragon ball is um but y you know what i mean it's like you can always better yourself you can always do more you can always be faster and stronger and smarter and whatever right um so i think for me that really worked because at the end you don't just have to showdown you also have sort of a subplot happening there that I don't want to say counteracted, but that, that that works really well with the A plot, which is basically one ginormously over-the-top massive fight, almost like in Batman versus Superman or something. It is just fucking huge the shit that's happening there. And then you have something really small and seemingly minuscule happening that is so fucking important and will influence the characters forever. But they're not necessarily aware of it because they're so busy with their own thing. 
and I loved it how this all came together and how that enabled layers to still happen even though what you're watching is one ginormous fucking showdown between two very powerful beings um, and it was I'm usually bored by these things. It's like you see this person smash into stuff, you see that person smash into stuff and destroy, like a whole hell of a lot of destruction and shit. And it's like, oh, come on, all right. And no one's got a scratch and no one's got nothing and whatever, blah. But the way it is done is so, it's absolutely brilliant. It's so entertaining. Never do you feel that there's any kind of an inequality happening between those two characters they're both equally powerful it's just how is one going to overthrow the other um when you have two very powerful beings is, is it luck is it smart what is it i'm not going to give it away but i really loved how it all came together how it ends in the end um how um yeah i'm not going to say that it's 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 a really good ending. I really enjoyed that a lot. I'm going to be talking more about that in spoilers. Actually, let's let's just go into into spoilers. Well, let me just tell you. It's like it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. You have to go and see Wonder Woman. If you like a super a good superhero film, you will like Wonder Woman. It's a great superhero film. Of course, it's the first in hopefully a series of it. They're already talking about a sequel because uh, so far Wonder Woman's been quite successful, even though it just came out. Um, I think it made, what was it, 11 million in previews, which makes it, I think, the third highest grossing film in regards to previews um, this year. So it is very, very successful. Um, I think they're saying that in regards to tickets sold and stuff, it should make over 100 million in, in the opening week or something like that. So it, it looks like it's going to be very successful. There will be sequels. So yes, this is the first, hopefully of many, and you have your standard origin story. What makes this one interesting, I think, is because unlike Superman and Batman, everyone knows Superman and Batman. Everyone knows Superman's from fucking Krypton and he crash lands on Earth and then he becomes Clark Kent and then blah. And with Batman, you know that, you know, his, his parents get killed and then he turns into Batman. Everyone knows the origins of stories of that. You, Everyone knows Spider-Man and all that shit. No one really knows Wonder Woman, unless you're a comic geek. I didn't really know. I have no idea where she came from. And, and you are told in the film where she comes from. And I was like, really? Um, okay, I didn't see that happening. Um, I thought it was weird, but I was like, so what? You know, who cares? Right, it's, it's all good. So I, I really I really liked it because it's so refreshing. It's um I wouldn't really say it's a different approach, but you know how you have Deadpool and it's like below the belt and, and teenage boy funny crude humor kind of a thing. So here you have Wonder Woman who um goes out into the world of men to try and save them with love and hope and understanding and, and, and thinking of peace and all of that stuff. And funny enough, she basically manages that. Um, she doesn't let herself get corrupted by what, by the limitations other people seemingly put on her or how they see her. She never has any of that. She never she never doubts herself. She She never wavers. She always just goes like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm on my mission and I'm doing what I think is right. And she doesn't deter at all. And she is absolutely relentless. And I love that about her. 
and I can't wait to see her in a setting like in the now and day setting um, that was the framework of it all so uh, just seeing that um, was fantastic I absolutely love that I think Gal Gadot did a really good job she must have worked her ass off to do these action sequences they all look so fucking convincing like even though of course a lot of it is special effects like with, with the whole slow-mo and the fast and uh, her being smashing into things really fast and like holding up a tank and and hell knows what else but all of that looked fantastic to me I bought it I really bought it I'd read that um, you know some of her acting chops were not up to snuff and all of that stuff and I was really on the lookout for that and yes you know she's she's not gonna win an Oscar anytime soon but I think she incorporated Diana Prince really well, um, especially when you consider that she's just sort of been released, escaped Themyscira. She's never known anything other than this peaceful island life, and then all of a sudden she's in the middle of London. She's in the middle of World War Two, uh, sorry, World War One, and and adapting to these, like it's th what she encounters is so different to anything that she's ever known. And she just adapts to it like crazy. She's like, yeah, this is what it is. This is a given. Okay, um, don't worry. I'll take care of this. You know, she just doesn't care. And I, I like the way that she, like that outlook on life, going like whatever life throws at me, whatever I'm going to find, no matter where I go, I will deal with it. And that's, I think, the only way that you can deal with life. Because w what else are you going to do? It's like, oh, no, I don't like this. I'm going home. What? No, whatever life throws at you, you fucking deal with it. And I love that she does that. And that's a really great message. And I think she, like I said, Gal Gadot did a really good job, especially with the acting, action parts. Um, she's a great role model for young children, but it doesn't matter how old you are. This is the first female superhero film we've ever seen. And she's a great superhero. And her message is fantastic. And she she's powerful and emotional and and she feels for other people more than anything else that's what she does that's her message she doesn't take sides in this war she wants it to end in order to save everyone not just the allied forces or the germans she wants to save everyone and that's one of the things that i really love about it and there is something in the film, I'm going to talk about this more in the spoilers, but overall I thought this was a fantastic film, it has a great message, it has great action sequences, it's funny in places, it's tragic in places, it looks fantastic, cinematography is awesome, the costumes are fantastic, um, I love the characters and the dialogue, even the third act that some people say is a bit rubbish, I thoroughly enjoyed it, I enjoyed the ending, um, I enjoyed the overall ending. Oh, by the way, there's no scene at the end of the credits, so don't worry, you don't have to stay until the end. There's absolutely nothing halfway through the credits or at the end of the credits, so don't bother, uh, which is a bit of a shame. But this is a fantastic film. If you like action films, you have to go and see it. If you like superhero films, you have to go and see it. If you like to see a woman kicking ass, you have to go and see it. If you like to see something funny and entertaining, go and see it. This is not really the kind of film where you go, you know, like when you watch Fast and the Furious or Triple X or whatever, and you say, okay, leave the brain at the door. Not really necessary in this film. I didn't feel like it was stupid at all. Um, 
and I will tell you more about that later because um, I also watched Baywatch. I watched Baywatch actually before I watched Wonder Woman. Now that was a stupid film, trust me. Um, so yeah, it's Wonder Woman is a fantastic film. First female superhero, first superhero film. Well, sort of first female superhero film, also directed by a woman. Um, I think the first uh, comic book film superhero film i'm not sure if he falls on the superhero but lexi alexander she directed uh, the punisher war zone so she was actually the first woman to direct a comic book film um i'm not sure if this uh, punisher falls on the superhero i i wouldn't call him a superhero so um lexi alexander directed the first comic book film as a, a woman the first woman to direct a comic book film um patty jenkins first director to direct a superhero film and it was Wonder Woman, and that all works together so, so well. You can sort of tell that there's a bit of a... I don't really want to say that like like a, a female perspective, no. But you can tell there was no male perspective. Now, that is not necessarily the same thing. You know, female perspective or no male perspective. But usually, you can tell when a man has written a script or especially when a man is directing something is responsible for like cinematography or something you can you can tell just the way that certain things are framed and stuff like that here i wouldn't say that it was the female gaze but it was neutral this is kind of the the way that i think films should be shot you know where it doesn't, like, there's no female gaze and there's no male gaze. There's just fucking cinematography, you know. And it's trying to bring a point across, whether that is funny or whatever, remains to be seen. But this one really worked and I think Patty Jenkins did a really good job. And I hope that she gets a lot more films to direct because she is fucking fantastic. And I hope that this really opened the doors for more female directors um, also in regards to higher budgets which is what usually we're prohibited from uh, directing films with a higher budget even though men like Colin Trevorrow and, and others they come from small films and all of a sudden get a hundred million dollar budget film it's not unheard of this happens all the fucking time to a woman this is the first time this has ever happened so Wonder Woman yay absolutely loved it I wasn't sure about it when I went in I absolutely loved it even though there are things in there that I think could be a bit better but overall they're so minor that I don't even want to mention them so let's go into the spoiler section um, one of the things I mentioned earlier as well was uh, w what I thought was a bit weird that the Amazons have uh, they look so different you have ones that look 20 30 40 50 years old it's never really explained that kind of irked me a bit maybe there is some kind of an explanation in the comics i'm not sure i need to talk to some uh, comic geeks about this um but one of the things that i thought was a bit weird was when uh, they have the battle at the beach when the germans are after chris pine and there's like all this fighting going on and the amazons only have swords and bow and arrows and they're all really good at, at what they do but some of the fighting stuff there was a bit over the top um making the amazons like mega awesome and overly heroic um which, which is fine but one of the things that really annoyed me was that robin wright's character um antiope or something like that um who was the best fighter of the Amazons and she took out loads of Germans you know and 
Uh, Diana is there and she's fighting and one of the Germans is lining up a shot to kill Diana and uh, Robin Wright's character sees that and the only thing that she can think of doing is jumping in between that German and Diana to catch the bullet because for whatever reason she doesn't have bracelets that deflect bullets or she doesn't have anything else that would deflect the bullet or she couldn't just catch the bullet with her arm or her shoulder or her leg or whatever you know considering how awesome they are at fighting and how they can just make each other catapult across enemy lines and turn 180 degrees mid-air to line up three arrows to shoot three enemies at the same time perfect you know point-blank range all of that is perfect but she can't do anything else other than put her entire body between her and that uh, and Diana and the bullet you know and I was like that like of all the things really you didn't even need that as as a catalyst for Diana to do anything it didn't really do anything other than <gasps> a really important character well a high-ranking character died so anyone can die and I was like that's that's a bit weird it felt, it felt unnecessary, so I'm not sure if that is based on a book, a comic book or whatever. Uh, I have no idea because I, I don't know the source material. But in the film I felt that that death was a bit over the top and made no sense. And um, she, she didn't really have to die because Diana left anyway. She had already made up her mind, I think, to leave by that point. And she, she left all the other Amazons back on the island, so why couldn't um, why couldn't the other one survive? Oh, actually, thinking of that, she, that Amazon, she was wearing the, uh, oh, how do you say it? You know, that, that, the bracelet Diana wears on her head, like that crown, um, she got it from her because she died. So I'm not sure maybe that is actually part of the comic books. And, but nonetheless, that, um, that could have been done differently. That character really, that death really irked me. Um, one of the things that sort of made it a bit, I don't really want to say nicer, but one of the other women immediately ran over to Robin Wright's character, was like, oh my God, no, 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 what happened? And I don't know whether, I mean, I am a lesbian, so maybe I read something into that, but I was like, oh my God, this woman has a bigger reaction than all the other women. Were they partners? Obviously not far-fetched because it's an island full of women. And there's a bit later on where Diana talks to Chris Pine and uh, they're talking about how he doesn't want to sleep next to her, you know, out of respect and courtesy and whatever, you know, because they're not married and all of that stuff. And she's like, this is just weird. And they start talking about uh, sex and procreation. And she's like, well, men are only needed to procreate, not for pleasure. There are like 12 volumes of, I don't know what it was called, how to pleasure yourself or whatever. I have no idea. Um, like a love and sex book or whatever. And she tells him, it's like, yeah, men are only needed for procreation, not for pleasure. And he was like, well, uh, mm, uh, mm. and it's just tiny little things like that. that I thought were absolutely hilarious. Um, so what else? The other spoilerific thing, obviously, is um, the entire time that we 
we have her as Wonder Woman and she's um, she's talking about going to finding the war and finding Ares to finish the war to kill Ares would basically she thinks will end the war and we all throughout the film we all think that that's bullshit just like Chris Pine he thinks that's bullshit and at the end of course we find out that that's not bullshit because I think Ares actually is a villainous character in the DC universe um, so he does exist and he does exist in this film and I don't want to give away who it is because that was a lot of fun to find out even though it was quite obvious but um, I still thought it was uh, entertaining when that came out and then when they have their final fight um, it's, it's just really fantastic because she goes after someone who she thinks is Ares and then once she uh, kills him she's like why doesn't the war stop and it's, it, this whole point everyone's like well because there is no Ares you just killed a German it's not gonna it's not gonna stop the fucking war now is it um, and this whole this whole thing about oh my god maybe maybe I was wrong and I think if I remember correctly there's the tiniest little trickle of doubt in her eyes like I don't understand this should have this should have ended everything but then we find out that someone else is Ares and then we find out that he actually is Ares and that he's a god and um, he explains how all of this stuff happened and blah 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 and he explains um, her heritage because she still isn't aware of her heritage you know her mother told her that she sculpted her of clay and that the gods breathed life into her and which is not entirely true and we find out that Wonder Woman is actually a half god because Zeus was her father who impregnated the, the Queen of the Amazons um, which is why the Queen of the Amazons didn't want Diana to learn how to fight because she once she like finds her power and unleashes her power Ares would find her and the Queen of the Amazons was really concerned that Ares would then come to Themyscira and kill Diana and obviously she didn't want that to happen so you you have all of that explained throughout the film and certain bits still at the end of the film and I really enjoyed that um, even though it sounds a bit weird it's like well you're like a demigod, a demigod your father was Zeus that's really weird but I loved it because it adds a lot of dynamic to the final fight because you basically have two siblings fighting for war for the world you have Ares who wants the war and you have Wonder Woman his sister who wants peace and there's even a line at the end when she finally defeats Ares when she's like I'm does she say goodbye brother or I'm sorry brother but she's she calls him brother fully acknowledging who she is who he is and what she has to do and I really love that. Also, like I mentioned earlier, the B plot that happens during the showdown is um, Chris Pine trying to figure out how to get rid of the um, lethal gas. And the only thing that he thinks that he can do that, which to an extent makes sense, is to hijack the plane and have the gas explode as high up in the stratosphere as he can so that it won't fall onto people even though funny enough none of that's been proven throughout the entire film 
like we don't know how the gas is going to react like the higher he goes the more that the easier it spreads over a bigger area right everyone knows that so do we know that let's say you climb to i don't know 15,000 feet and when you disperse it there by the time it reaches the ground it's ineffective none of that's ever been checked or mentioned or proven but he just goes and does that and i'm like mm. on the one hand i enjoyed that he sacrificed himself that he as the love interest he literally got fridged you know it happens to the female love interest all the fucking time that the female love interest has to die in order for the hero to unleash a special power or or have some to 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 work as some sort of catalyst and it does so in this film here because only once diana sees chris pine uh, his plane explode and knows that he just died does she does she get angry which sort of unleashes her mega power with like crossing her two bracelets and destroying Ares. so chris pine's death was a catalyst for her character to actually lead to the destruction of the villain and that is something that happens like i said in usual superhero films action films all the time and i love the idea that chris pine as a love interest didn't make it through to the end of the film he was fridged and i love that um but like I said, this whole thing with him igniting the gas at the top, I mean, that, that, that's one of the things. He ignites the gas in the plane, hoping that that will render it in, ineffective. Oh, actually, yeah, I might not be doing this justice. I think someone mentions in the, in the film that it's hydrogen-based. So if it's, um, it, if it's engulfed in flames, it should render it. Uh, ineffective I think that's why he does it so he does that all the way up there so nothing can happen to people on the ground um, so he sacrifices himself and one of the really tragic things at the end is obviously that um, Diana's fighting Ares and she gets knocked down and I think she it was a big explosion or something and she has a hard time hearing things because her ears are ringing and that's of all the moments that is when Chris Pine runs over to her and tells her he loves her and that he now has to go and kill himself and she doesn't hear what he says because she can't understand him and it's so beautiful and tragic at the same time it's i i can't even put it into words i love that scene because you you hear that she can't hear properly so the sound is the way that she would hear it you hear little bits and bobs and so you can make out and also from his you don't need to be a lip reader to see the words I love you form on someone's lip, right? So you can tell all of that. So you know how tragic it is. And then he goes and he's like, oh my God, and she didn't hear any of that. But then later when she remembers it, I have no idea how that works, but she must have some sort of a superpower where she remembers it. She can just like play, like um, do some playback in her mind and she knows what he said. And it's just beautiful and tragic and sad and and just gorgeous all at the same time it's really hard to explain i really loved it i loved all the the action bits i loved all the funny bits also with the um are the, the the lady who is chris pine's secretary once they come to london she only has a few scenes but she's also prominently featured in the trailer um i think lucy something um she's great i loved her 
Unfortunately, I think in the sequel, if it's playing in the here and now, she's obviously not going to be back, which is a shame. Unless she could play like the ancestor, uh, not ancestor, the, um, oh, what's the word? Like the grandchild of that person. That would be fantastic because she was great. I really loved her. She was funny. Um, and she also brings up this whole thing. It's like, oh yeah, we're just fighting for the right to vote at the moment. And um, it's, it's just the reactions when they're in London are absolutely hilarious. Like this Amazon warrior walking through Victorian London and basically not wearing anything below the coat. It is so awesome. So the film for me was just a perfect amalgamation of action, humor, a lot of fun, there was a great story. I mean, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel, it's your standard superhero story, but it works really well because probably because it's not one that we've been told 50 million times over and over and over again. It was great to see a female superhero. And I have to tell you, like, seriously, after about five to 10 minutes, I'd, it wasn't even that obvious. It's like, oh, I'm seeing a woman fight. I didn't really care. I'm just, I saw a great character being an awesome hero, being an action star. And it didn't matter whether it was a guy or a girl, but it was obviously awesome that it was a woman. And um, I hope Gal Gadot's going to be around to do like five more of these. I have no idea. I really, really love her. Um, I, I didn't really think that I was going to love this film. But the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more I love it. I'm going back to see it again tomorrow night with my mates from Screen Rebels. And uh, we're going to watch it in IMAX 3D. So I'm really excited for that, seeing it a second time. And like I said, it looks absolutely gorgeous. The cinematography is great. The script is great. The direction is great. Um, the action sequences, everything. It's just so much fun. It's a great popcorn flick. But there's, it also has a lot of heart. You know, if you've seen Ghost in the Shell, it looks fantastic, but it didn't have a soul. This film has a soul and a heart. And Gal Gadot does a wonderful job. I think you're gonna enjoy it. You need to go and see it. I've been talking about this for over an hour, I'm sorry. Let's quickly go into Baywatch then, okay? So, as awesome as Wonder Woman was, that's how weird and crap Baywatch was. Now, I have to tell you right away, I love, I love The Rock. I think I mentioned that a few times. Um, I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's an entertaining guy and his films doesn't matter whether they're like low-key, low-key, <laughs> the, the, the god of lies. Hmm. No, um, whether they're like highbrow, lowbrow, whatever they are, they're usually entertaining. I mean, even Criminal Intelligence, which I think is utter rubbish, um, it was entertaining to an extent. You know, I, I didn't think it was a waste of time. And that's kind of what Baywatch is as well. It's like Wonder Woman, really, um, it, it's, it's very aware of what it is. So it's very tongue in cheek. Um, it clearly knows that it's based on a TV show. It also mentions this sounds like the plot of a really cheap and stupid TV show. Um, so it's very, very meta, very, very, very um, conscious of where, where it's come from and what it's here to do. So it's really stupid, the plot is ridiculous, the characters are very superficial, there's not a lot of depth, and not that you would actually expect that, but the people around me seem to be having a good time. I was, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. I don't think I would have watched this if I didn't have an unlimited card. 
so I wouldn't have forked out 10, 15 quid to go and see it. No fucking way. Um, you have uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson and Zac Efron are starring in this, uh, along with Priyanka Chopra. And then there's a few other people um, who I didn't know who they are, and I'm also not really going to look them up because they were kind of like, yeah, you know, replaceable, <laughs> unfortunately. But you have... Um, if you've ever seen Baywatch, like obviously David Hasselhoff was Mitch Buchanan and you had Pamela Anderson as CJ Parker. And yes, I did watch Baywatch when it was on uh, in the 90s. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's entertaining in places. It looks great. It takes place in Miami. Um, so you have a lot of uh, beach locale, obviously. It looks fantastic. The weather is gorgeous. There's a ridiculous um, drug and murder plot happening that they're trying to solve, which is also quite entertaining. Uh, no surprise that Priyanka Chopra is playing the villain. That's been all over the internet, so that's not really a spoiler. Plus, you figure that out within the first five minutes. It, trust me, the plot is that predictable. It's ridiculous. But one of the things I really enjoyed about it was that it it's so tongue-in-cheek. It knows what it is, where it came from, and what kind of audience it's for. And it is just so taking the piss. They are showing um, The Rock is basically playing Mitch Buchanan, which is the character David Hasselhoff played. And David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson are actually making cameos in the film. They are prominently featured uh, their names are in the credits at the start of the film, so it's not a surprise, which is a bit annoying because it would have been awesome if it was a surprise. Um, the way they come in, it was like, oh my god, this is just like, you know how, like when you have really bad product placement in a film, that's kind of what it felt like, a really bad cameo. Um, but because the film knows it's doing that and it's tongue-in-cheek and cringy, that's kind of why it worked. So of course you're expecting it. I mean, David Hasselhoff is... is probably being paid really well for cameos he's doing like in Baywatch like in Guardians of the Galaxy it's like what the fuck is going on right um, but what happens in Baywatch is um, they are having tryouts to hire I think three new lifeguards because they don't have enough people um, and we are introduced to the rock who's like the lieutenant there he's like the big boss and then you have like a CJ character who also is called CJ and she clearly is the Pamela Anderson as substitute um, and she's gorgeous and of course you have some slightly fatty bloke who's like totally in love with her and every time she runs in slow-mo across the beach and they're making fun of it saying like do you see her in slow-mo too it's like yeah see her in slow-mo too um, you know that's what I mean it's like very tongue-in-cheek it's very aware where it comes from um, and you know what's gonna happen, right? He's got a thing for her, and she kind of knows his name, and she, she's really, she's the cool chick who who knows him and who says hi to him. She's not an arrogant, beautiful, stupid asshole, right? Um, she's someone with a heart, and you know that they end up together because the fatty, weird-looking guy always gets the gorgeous girl. The fatty, weird-looking girl never gets the gorgeous guy, right? So no real spoilers there that they end up together. Um, and also that Fatty McFadison is um, going in for the for the tryouts, tryouts for Baywatch. And of course there's like a hundred people trying out, but he's one of the three who gets the job because he has a lot of heart. Like his heart's in it, like no one else's. Um, I mean, that's fantastic. 
but if I'm drowning in the fucking ocean, I don't think his heart's gonna save me. You know, I'd much rather be saved by someone who can actually fucking swim and save my ass. So stupid. But that's what the film is, right? It's just so stupid and predictable. Plot holes, bleh. Um, Zac Afron is one of the other ones and he's playing a douchebag uh, who basically thinks he's he's the shit and he's way too good for things and the rock goes like no you have to you have to try out like everyone else and you have to prove yourself like everyone else and then we learn that Zac Afron's character is actually like oh my god I've got my issues surprise surprise and he overcomes these issue, issues surprise surprise so you know nothing surprises you there not really um, and then, of course, Zac Efron's love interest is the third one who makes it because she's kind of like a really hot surfer chick. So, yeah, that's going to happen. And then we stumble across some, some drugs and then some people get killed and then there's like some kind of intrigue. And it's the whole thing is like Baywatch lifeguards versus the Miami Police Department and Baywatch are trying to solve the case. And the police guy is like, you're lifesavers, you're lifeguards. I'm the one with the uniform and the badge. I'm the policeman, so you go lifeguarding, I go policing shit. And that's just this whole thing and the, the intrigue and machinations and schemes, they go really high up, of course, you know, no one's really surprised by that. Oh yeah, and Priyanka Chopra looks really hot and awesome and she's, she shows her tits all the time, just like everyone. So um, it's it's just one of those films like you expect, like the, the women... You, you see their tits, you see their asses, their, their abs, they look fantastic, right? The guys show off their muscle, except for Fatty McFadison. And it's it's a great scenery, you know, not just the beach in Miami, but the, the humans as well. Um, then there's a bit of a stupid plot that happens and there's some kind of, all, all kinds of weird situations that happen. And if you've seen the trailer, you know that they go into the morgue and they, they're gonna be inside you know those those little little shoots in, in in the morgue and then weird shit drops on Zac Efron's face and then like mm, and he has to like hold up a dick and all of that stuff you know all the the most outrageous shit was already in the trailer so there's no surprise there because this happens all the time and the mo it just goes more and more ridiculous and more and more predictable and overall I think it's just it's it's fun. I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun, but it's fun. It's decent entertainment. Um, and I think it succeeds in entertaining people because it takes the piss out of itself. You know, it doesn't take itself seriously. It clearly breaks the fourth wall a few times with, you know, some of the things that happen there and some of the things that are said. Um, I really, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it in all its stupidity um, like I say with like Fast and Furious and Triple X they're stupid but they're fun Baywatch doesn't come close to that you know um, but it is stupid and fun as well but on an entirely different level like I said I wouldn't go and see this if I didn't have an unlimited card I wouldn't I wouldn't fork out any money to go and see this um, it it's over the top ridiculous and I think um, The Rock needs to start making films again that are not over the top and ridiculous because that seems to be his thing at the moment and that's not a good thing. Um, but he makes it worthwhile because I like him, he's a charming guy 
And the film starts out with him like showing up at work, like lifeguard on duty. And then he starts jogging across the beach and everyone knows him and everyone thinks he's the shit and he's amazing and he's God. Um, and they're taking the mick out of that as well. They're not taking anything seriously in the film. Um, if that works for you, then I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Um, I think for women, you have some hot guys to look at. Men, you have some hot women to look at. I think it looks nice, but it's absolutely stupid. I would probably wait until it's like on Netflix or something and watch it then. Uh, get a few mates together. That's the perfect film to watch because it's just you're just gonna cry with laughter. That's what it's like. You know, but I'm not sure if it's worthwhile to go to the cinema for, unfortunately. Um, overall, not a waste of time, but yeah, I also wouldn't really fork out money for that. I think I've already said this two or three times. Um, not really much of a spoiler there when I say that Priyanka Chopra is the, is the villain. And of course, she is gonna die because that's what you've got to do. There's, there's a few deaths that happen in, in the film. There's some over-the-top dramatic action sequences when, for example, when they go and try to save people from a burning um, burning boat and then there's a lot of fire on the water and Zegafron almost dies and the rock saves everyone in, in like with the weirdest ways and it's just some of the things don't make a lot of sense um, you, they, they defy logic and, and all, of, all of that stuff and that's the kind of film Baywatch is and uh, overall I think yeah you can go and see that if, if you like that kind of nonsense um, or if you like The Rock or Zac Efron so I, I think maybe teenage girls might like it <laughs> teenage boys will probably like it because the scenery looks really nice so there you go. Not really much to, to tell you about Baywatch. It's a stupid film, but it's a lot more entertaining than I would have thought it is. Um, there are a lot of really stupid things in there that I didn't think were very, were very good. Um, but overall, there was more entertaining stuff in it than I thought was cringeworthy stuff in it. Uh, so. Of course, it has a bit of a message as well. It's like, you know, there's no I in team and, and shit like that. But it could have been could have been better. And now I want to tell you about After the Storm, which is a Japanese film that I went to see on Tuesday. I had to review it. Um, I didn't really know anything about this. Um, it's a film about... It's, it's a family drama. It's, it's about family dynamics. And what happens is, uh, like I said, it's, it's Japanese, so it takes place in Japan. It's in Japanese with English subtitles. Um, and it's all about characters. It's a character-driven family drama. And you have a guy called uh, Ryoda. And he's a middle-aged guy. Um, and his father recently passed away. So he goes back to visit his mother um, in, in like a small apartment complex. And he hasn't seen her in ages. They're a bit estranged. Um, he's also estranged with his, his sister. Um, he also has an ex-wife and a son who he doesn't really see very often because he can't come up with all the child payments because he's not a very successful guy. Um, he is a novelist who currently works as a private detective, which he started doing because he was doing research for his novel which he still hasn't started writing, so it's, it's more like he, he just ended up being the private detective the entire time. 
um, because it's easier than sitting down and try to write a novel again. He was heralded as uh, as a bit of a success when he was younger, when he did, when he wrote his first novel. It was, I'm not sure if it was that successful, but just being able to publish your your novel that is quite a success. But he couldn't follow it up with anything, and he's he's a charming dude, which is probably why his wife fell for him. But they, it sounds like they were recently divorced. She's already seeing someone else. Um, and he wants a relationship with her. He wants her back. But he also wants a relationship with his son. But he also is a bit of a problematic character because he has a gambling problem. Apparently his dad, his late dad, um, had the same issues. And so the first thing he does, the first thing you really see the character do once he reaches his mother's apartment, his mom's not in, he just starts going through the apartment looking for valuables. That's all he does. He's like a selfish prick who just goes, oh, my dad just died. There must be something valuable that I can fence for some money because then I can gamble and I can hopefully make some more money out of it. So that's the kind of character he is. And he, he sort of lives in his past, you know, when he was like this, this novel protege kind of a person. Or he lives in the future when he's like, oh yeah, by the time that I will have written my second novel, I will be rich and famous and successful and I'll get my wife back and my son and I'm gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be more awesome than the dude that she's currently seeing and blah, blah, blah. Um, he just doesn't live in the present, which is the only time that you can actually do anything. That you can do anything about your life, right? So he's a bit of a dreamer and a, he's a nostalgic dreamer almost. And we also meet uh, obviously his his mother and she's kind of a character. Like the first scene of the film is the mother and the sister uh, in the mother's apartment just having a conversation. And immediately within like a minute or two, I love the character of the mother because the actress, um, oh, what was her name? Hang on a second. The actress's name is Kirin Kiki and she is absolutely fantastic. The mother is the one, is my favorite character of the entire film. She um, she made me laugh, she made me cry. She's so subtle and nuanced, but also over the top and crazy. I absolutely loved her. And it's just all the, the family dynamics that come up that obviously she wants her son to be successful and he was supposed to be successful, but now he isn't. But he also sort of pretends that he is, that his private detective work is only temporary you know it's one of those temporary jobs you take that aren't very good for a reason but his reason stopped being a reason like ages ago and he's now just so used to having this job and he constantly asks his younger partner um, a, a guy who looks like it could be his son he looks like he's about 20 and that guy always has money and uh, Ryota always asks him for money so he can go gamble and hopefully, you know, make some more money. But it never works because he basically is a loser. Nothing ever works for him. Um, and you just have this entire, like all these dynamics between all these different characters are, are coming to the forefront um, throughout this film. Between him and his sister and that the sister feels like she has to do to protect the mother from her brother a bit because the brother is just such a selfish asshole that he always is trying to um, take advantage of the mother and the sister is basically giving the brother money who then pretends to give it uh, who then gives it to the mother pretending it's his money and all, like it's it's a shambles like this guy is a fucking character seriously but the funny thing is that um, Hiroshi Abe who plays him 
He imbues him with so much charm that you can't help but root for him no matter what he does. Like when he play, when he's uh, working as a private detective, he is basically paid to follow a guy's wife to see if she's cheating on him. And yes, she's cheating on him. So him and his um, partner sit down the wife and go, well, these are this is the evidence we have on you, photos. If you pay us money, we're going to tell your husband we didn't find anything. So he gets the money from the husband and he also gets the money from the wife. He's such a fucker, seriously. Um, and still he doesn't have enough money to pay for his child payment services. Um, and his wife basically really wa doesn't want anything to do with him until he finally pays um, the child payments because the, his ex-wife she has to work all the time because otherwise you know she she's a realist whereas he's the dreamer and she's the one who has like whatever horrendous job she has i think she works in like a travel agency or a real estate agency or something um just so she can make ends meet she has to take care of her son she's got to put you know food on the table somehow and she's got to pay the rent um so it's it's all of it's, it's about like regrets and disappointments and dreams and acceptance and all of that stuff that's happening in this film and it is so beautifully told it's also beautifully shot it's all about like the the small the little things the details in life like you see um people eat a lot like it's it's all about like having dinner together and the conversations you have and how you how the interpersonal relationships change and all of that stuff there's a lot of tension and a lot of drama that's happening and a lot of ridiculous situations that also come up um and all of this happens before that title storm even happens. The title storm is the third act catalyst, which then brings all the stuff that's been set up previously in the film to the boil and puts people together in close proximity, in close confinement. And then there are the most beautiful little two-handers happening between individual characters. They're so well performed. The actors are absolutely fantastic in this film. And it's just so, it goes so deep and profound and emotional. I really, really loved it. I don't want to give away the, the ending. I mean, I already said that the, the storm works as a catalyst. But I thought it was just, when, when the film was over, I felt so elated. And I was like, oh my God, that was beautiful and 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 reassuring and reaffirming. And, and you know, all about life and beauty and going forward and how every day is like a fresh start and all of that stuff and you can make your life the way you want it to be and, and you know live in the here and now um, and as I was walking out other people were like oh my god that was sad oh my god that was depressing I was like seriously did we just watch the same film it was really weird I felt amazing after having seen this film I felt like I was in that storm and it, it rained away all all my, I, I don't know what what to say, like all my worries and, 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 and any hang-ups and whatever I might have had. It, it just, it just uh, cleaned me, you know? Like, like, you know when you're like mega sweaty and you have a shower and you feel like, oh, this is like a fresh body, a fresh start. You know, now I can go and tackle shit, you know? That's what I feel like after having a shower that's what I feel like when I'm out in the rain I find it very cleansing and refreshing um, like a shower and maybe I'm not sure if that's the kind of um, imagery 
an uh, allegory that the director was going for. Um, I'm I'm not sure, but that that's definitely what it was for me. And um, Mr. Kareda, who is the director of the film, he he's I think quite well known for you know doing very subtle approach and very nuanced approach to certain topics and he's definitely done this here and it's very thoughtful and very profound and very deep and and that sounds that almost sounds boring but it isn't because the the script as um as deep as it goes in in certain regards but it's also very funny there's a lot of funny elements in the film so um you you have like your your hills and your valleys like you sometimes have with action films and then you have tranquility and then action and then we go back to chilling out a bit and here you have like really high tension stuff emotional stuff and tragic and dramatic stuff but you also have really hilarious stuff especially in regards to the mother and some of the stuff that Ryota does and, and says and, and the situations that he finds himself in and the way that he he's depicted even when he's going through something horrible sometimes the way it's depict, depicted is almost n not necessarily hilarious for the audience but definitely uh, it has a funny aspect to it you know you have your lead character go through some shit but you're depicting it in a way that makes it entertaining for the audience and that's what the film does even though you're never really disassociated with the lead you always feel for him, you always feel with him. And one of the things I really loved about the film is also um, Yoko Maki, she plays the ex-wife. Um, and that, I think, could have been a character that could have so easily fallen into the bitchy ex-wife category, you know, the one that you as the audience immediately hate because she left the uh, protagonist, she took away his son, she's already with someone else, she doesn't want to have him back. So she's she's almost a bit of an antagonist. She is the person that stands between him and what he wants because he wants her back and he wants the son back as well. But she's not having any of that. And what could have fallen into this easy, unlikable category? Yokomaki, she really embodies this person as a full person, someone you can understand and emphasize with. And she she makes perfect sense like you understand her perspective she's more of a realist as i said as opposed to his dreamer character because she has to take care of her son she is the responsible one she has to rise to the occasion because what else is going to happen otherwise to her son and i really loved it how all of the characters are fleshed out in themselves and um, they make sense in what they say in what they do even though they, the lead might think of them as being antagonizing, but you as the audience, I felt, can completely understand where they're coming from. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about the film. Um, it's, it's not really a character study, but it's, it's, it's a family drama and it's about family dynamics. And that's one of the things that I always find really interesting in a film, because in a film, a story is always about interpersonal relationships. And the most powerful interpersonal relationships are fam family, you know, siblings, mother-daughter or um, father-son, father-daughter, whatever. Um, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your siblings, your relationship with your children that's, or, or, or your loved ones in general. Those are always the interesting relationships that are the most powerful because they're the most emotionally charged and they're the ones that can be your undoing. Um, 
and that's one of the things I really loved about the film and I think if you can find it somewhere after the storm um, go and see it I think you won't regret it it screened at last year's Cannes Film Festival so not 2017 but 2016 I'm not sure why we're only getting this now in the UK I mean this might have been out in the US for a while I have no idea I never heard of this film before I'm so glad I watched it I really enjoyed it as I said no matter the themes that it takes care of that that, that that it depicts in a film it is a very positive uplifting film even though some of the other reviews are clearly um, not on the same track here with me they, they thought it was sad and depressing I loved it I thought it was a very positive film and I'm so glad I watched it and if you can find it somewhere I think you should watch it too so this week go and watch Wonder Woman if there's nothing else that you can do go and watch Wonder Woman Give Baywatch a miss, and but also watch After the Storm if you can somewhere. But if there's only one film you're going to watch, go and watch Wonder Woman. Trust me, you won't regret it. You don't need to be a woman or a wonder to, to enjoy this. It's fantastic. It's very entertaining from start to finish. When the film was over, I had a huge grin on my face and I couldn't wait to go and see it again. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, that's it for this week. I'm already at one and a half hours. I do apologize. I was raving about Wonder Woman for an entire hour. I could go on and on and on. I might talk about it again next week because I'm going to see it in IMAX again tomorrow um, in case that's slightly different or I, I notice something. I will probably bring it up next week. Um, other than that, I think next week The Mummy is out the new Tom Cruise film um, so I can't wait to see that the trailer looks fantastic I love Sofia Botella who plays the antagonist and I like Tom Cruise in general he does great action films and I mean this is such a summer blockbuster I think it's gonna be amazing if I don't find anything else to watch I might go and see Wonder Woman a third time you never know the only film this year I've seen three times the most I've seen a film this year is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 so you never know the action films are where it's at at the moment for me apparently so stay tuned for next week potentially the mummy and probably more wonder woman you never know there might be a little film that creeps in that might be a surprise so stay tuned for that don't forget to check out after the storm if you can find it anywhere check out uh, weeklywatchcast.wordpress.com that's the website where you can find all the episodes of the weekly watch you can also find my written reviews on there there are little tabs at the top if you're on mobile there's like a little menu button you have to press and then there will be different tabs for the weekly watch podcast for the reviews and there's also a link to my twitter find me on twitter let's talk about movies on twitter i always love talking about movies um there's also a link to if you want to email me something on the blog so everything is on there just check it out weeklywatchcast.wordpress.com maybe leave me a comment whatever it is let me know what you've been watching let me know what you think of wonder woman if you've seen i would really love to talk to you about that um that's it for me for this week have an awesome weekend go and watch wonder woman and if you've already seen it go and watch it again because i'm gonna do that tomorrow have an awesome weekend have an awesome week i'll catch you guys next week how often can I say weekend sentence? Anyway, bye.